Today, Russia tries to stop a Ukrainian counteroffensive before it even begins. The godfather of AI quits Google, and people celebrate International Workers' Day. From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Tuesday, the 2nd of May, 2023. In the last few days and weeks, we've heard a lot of speculation that Ukraine is on the brink of launching a new counteroffensive against their Russian invaders. Russian military command have clearly also known about this and have, in the last couple of days, been striking Ukraine in an attempt to try and stop the Ukrainian pushback before it even begins. Evidence of this has come, firstly, from Russian missiles hitting Pavlorad, a logistics hub near the Dnipro. Vladimir Rogov, a Russian-installed official, claimed that the missiles hit railway infrastructure and fuel depots. Elsewhere, it's been reported that the missiles hit civilian infrastructure as well, with 19 high-rise apartment blocks, 25 private houses, 6 schools and kindergartens, and 5 shops also being damaged. So far, 34 people are reported as injured. Despite the devastation caused by the missiles, Ukrainian authorities claim to have shot down 15 of the 18 cruise missiles sent by Russia. In addition to the missiles sent to Pavlorad, missiles were also reportedly sent towards the capital, Kiev. Although Ukrainian authorities claim to have successfully shot all of them down. And Russia's recent aggression doesn't stop there. Ukrainian regional authorities claim that Russia carried out 39 shellings in the occupied Kherson region. These came from drones and planes, as well as ground-based weapons. The current Russian strategy of striking Ukraine hard appears to demonstrate a return to the tactics they used throughout the winter of launching huge countrywide airstrikes in an attempt to grind Ukraine down. So far, though, it appears that this tactic will not prevent Kiev's upcoming counteroffensive, something that will use hundreds of armoured vehicles and tanks that have been supplied by the West. Over in Russia, there have been two separate reports of sabotage over the weekend. In one incident, a freight train was derailed. The governor of Bryansk, Alexander Bogomaz, claimed that this was as a result of an explosive device on the track. Separately, Alexander Drozdenko, governor of the Leningrad region, claimed that a power line had been taken down, again by a suspected explosive device. He claimed that, despite this, electricity supplies had not been disrupted. Right now, it's not known who was behind these incidents, nor whether more are planned. Okay, so that's today's main story, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. Jeffrey Hinton, known as the godfather of AI, has quit Google today, warning of the growing dangers that have emerged in the sector. In fact, Hinton even claimed that he regretted some of his work. Specifically, he claimed that right now they're not more intelligent than us, as far as I can tell, but I think they soon may be. He went on to add that some of the dangers posed by AI chatbots were quite scary. Writing in a New York Times article, Hinton referred to bad actors who may try and use AI to do bad things. It's worth noting that while his criticisms of AI were one of the reasons that Hinton resigned, he did also cite his age. At 75 years old, Hinton said it was time to retire. In response to Hinton's retirement, Google's chief scientist said, We remain committed to a responsible approach to AI. We're continually learning to understand emerging risks while also innovating boldly. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. 
Paraguay's general election was held on Sunday, with polling ahead of the vote suggesting that it would be a close-run thing. The actual result, however, was quite the opposite. Santiago Pena, the candidate for the ruling right-wing Colorado party, was elected president with nearly 43% of the vote, while his next closest rival, Efrain Algaray, secured 27.5%. The Colorado party is politically dominant in Paraguay, having ruled the South American nation for all but five of the past 77 or so years. The party has faced allegations of serious corruption, and just this year, the United States imposed sanctions on the former president and the current vice president, accusing them of systemic corruption that has undermined democratic institutions. The election had implications outside of Paraguay too, as the ruling party is a staunch ally of Taiwan, while the opposition had pledged to switch the country's diplomatic allegiance to China in a bid to boost business and trade. So the result means that Paraguay will remain one of Taiwan's largest and one of its few remaining allies. The other story of the election is the third place result of right-wing populist Paraguayo Cubas, who scored an impressive 23%. His supporters have clashed with police since he called for a protest and a recount. Second place, Algaray has called for a manual recount and an international audit. Monday was the 1st of May, known to many as International Workers' Day, or Labour Day. As is tradition, rallies were held around the world honouring workers, labour movements and unions. In France, the public holiday saw a continuation of the protests and opposition to President Emmanuel Macron's controversial pension reform, which has now been signed into law. The country's trade union had called for hundreds of rallies across the country. The head of the CGT union said ahead of the protests that the executive cannot govern without the support of its people. As with previous anti-pension reform demonstrations, there were clashes between protesters and police. Interior Minister Gerald Darmanin said nearly 300 people had been arrested across the country and more than 100 police injured. Meanwhile, in Italy, Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney cut anti-poverty subsidies, saying the previous measures were too costly and that the new regime would boost employment. Opponents criticised the move as a provocation and an act of arrogance on International Workers' Day. Over in Cuba, the communist government cancelled its traditional International Workers' Day parade because of serious fuel shortages. President Diaz-Canel said last month that the island was only receiving two-thirds of the fuel that it needed. Cuba, which is under a US embargo, has previously relied on deliveries of oil from Venezuela, but these have fallen by a half in recent years. The UN Refugee Agency has warned that the violence in Sudan could see some 800,000 people flee to neighbouring countries. The violent power struggle between the armed forces and the Rapid Support Forces paramilitary group is in its third week now, and more than 500 people have been killed, with thousands more wounded. UN figures say 50,000 people have already crossed overland to neighbouring countries like Egypt and Ethiopia. Both sides say a formal ceasefire has been extended for a further 72 hours, though fighting has continued. In the final uplifting story today, we discuss a diner in Berkeley that's giving away food for free. A few years ago, Colin Duran, the owner of Homemade Cafe, instituted a policy whereby anyone who claimed that they were hungry would be entitled to a free breakfast, no questions asked. Specifically, customers get two eggs cooked however they like, a side of fries and toast. The policy exploded in popularity during the pandemic, 
but Duran has been able to continue it ever since, thanks to the generosity of other customers, who often tip a few extra dollars to support the programme. Duran now estimates that he's giving away about 200 meals a month. That's all we have time for on YouTube, but the briefing isn't over. That's because I sit down with Rory and quiz him on last week's news. So it's a competition where they actually actively try and make babies cry. I didn't know that was allowed. Someone who doesn't joke and can't joke, he's a repulsive human. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it's true. I'm very fearful. I am it. fearful. Yeah. Anyway. You can cut that out if you want, Scarlett. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> In the extended and free edition of the Daily Briefing, only on Nebula. That's the streaming service we're building with a bunch of our creator friends, many of whom you're likely to be already watching. That means that by signing up, you not only get an extended ad-free daily briefing every single day, you also get to watch exclusive and ad-free videos from the best educational creators on YouTube. That's things like real life law's incredible modern conflicts, which breaks down contemporary disputes around the world, Neo's underexposure, which beautifully dives into complex and shadowy topics you've always wanted to know more about, or extremities from Wendover Productions, which uncovers some of the world's most remote places. All of these are only available on Nebula, just like our extended daily briefings and a whole bunch of other exclusive TLDR content which never comes to YouTube. If you want to sign up, use the link in the description so that they know you came through us. That helps us out a whole lot, as does watching on Nebula more generally. So thanks for signing up and we'll see you on Nebula.